The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. The more astute amongst you will recognise that uh, Kev isn't actually here in the studio, as was previously advertised. <laughs> but the reason for that is um, it now costs... I mean, it used to cost, Kev, £83.52 to get a ham sandwich from the, uh, the petrol station, or, or certainly the service station along the M4. But now the petrol, Kev... It's as much as a mortgage. Oh, it's insane. Absolutely insane. So uh, so we've we've decided to um go green for the moment <laughs> until yes. it costs less than ninety pounds for Kev to do a round journey. <laughs> we're still on we're still on Zoom. Our Rayburn's broke as well, so we've got no no way of cooking at the moment. So the kids are like, Yay, takeaways every night. I'm like, No. <laughs> Rose is like, let's go somewhere expensive. I'll say, right, let's go to the BP garage for dinner. <laughs> Yay. Well, and then it'll cost you £83.74 yeah. for a sandwich. The Fuji cast. I think I think um when's that when are you gonna get your oven fixed? Have you got uh next available date for service is twenty fourth of April. What? They can't get the parts. Of oh. course. <laughs> I'm not getting into it. Don't get, don't do, don't make me angry. I, 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 I bet they're coming across on a P&O ferry right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they can't get the parts. You can't get your oven fixed. No, um, can't get any petrol. Pe- petrol, petrol is well. You can get petrol, but but it just costs you an arm and a literal leg. You can't get petrol around here. The only the reasonably priced, and I say reasonably priced, is still like eighty pence more expensive than it was last time. Is Tesco, as usual, but they're always full. They they always run out. So are you back in uh, are you back in that land where people are, are queuing up for yep. five hours to get a yep. get a jerry can of petrol? Yep. Idiots. What? Yep. yep. Oh, well, we're not quite in that valley yet. See see the problems we have in bringing this to you. It's a, it's a miracle we even do it once a month now, to be honest. <laughs> really. And Kev is wasting away because he can't cook at his house. Takeaways. Yeah, takeaways, yeah. God, dear, the, take, the takeaway shop's loving you at the moment. Anyway, welcome. Uh, here we are uh, for, for the start of a new month. Um, and, and Kev is on a diet of, well, it will be Easter this month as well, of course. So Kev is on a diet of takeaways and Easter eggs. Chocolate. Chocolate. Um, that is my biggest weakness in life, chocolate. Haven't you given that up as well? No, good Lord, no. Could, I'd you, not have done that? Could you not have done that for Lent? Uh, no, I gave up lots of other things for Lent. Did you? Actually, I, I did things for Lent rather than gave things up for Lent. What do you mean? But you we did, don't need to get into this. What did you do for Lent? Though? Stuff. What stuff? Things. Well, I want to know what things. Do well, you... things, kind things for other people, what? churchy things. Oh, I see. Well, then that's a good thing, then, Kev. Yeah. Why, why are you? Why are you being so secretive about? Well, it? Who wants to know what Kev's done for Lent? <laughs> Even the dog at the back. Even Barney wants to know. <laughs> no, well, no. His paws up fun. in the air. His paws up in the air. I want to know. I want to know. Is, is it? Is it also? Is it secret squirrel? Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's, it's my my uh, my direct route to heaven is on my way. Is it? <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> when you get up there, the pearly gates will be closed, Kev. Oh, probably. Yeah, it'd be too expensive. They probably won't be able to yeah. get the the oil to to <laughs> to, to do the gates because it'd be stuck on a lorry in Germany. No, it's not opening. Kev will have to go somewhere else. So Peter will be sat there looking really angry. He's uh, sent all down in the elevator. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Bing bong, going down. A bit warmer uh, down there. Oh, yeah, it will be. <laughs> oh, dear, Kev. What do we do, eh? What do we do? 
Uh, well, at least weddings are still going. They are indeed. Well, they're starting up again, aren't they? No, I'm still. I'm actually having inquiries from people who are really frustrated with dates still. Really? Uh, yeah, because there's still definitely still a case of um, uh, the rollover effect from um, what was it called that thing, uh, COVID, where uh, you, you know all, a lot of people are still re- rebooking their dates still, and the people who would organically be getting married this year and next year, in fact, yeah. are finding it hard to get venues and dates. So there's there's a backlog. There's a backlog in everything in life at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, there's not a backlog of questions though. Um, we 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 still always need your questions to come in. Um, so uh, send them in via email. Uh, click at fujicast.co.uk or of course through um through facebook we have today um well first of all matt stewart is our guest but not only is he our guest and he's a terrific street photographer he's also book of the month as it is now book of the month book of the month uh, book of the yeah. month and um, so you, you yeah, uh, is it is it still together have you broken I just broke it <laughs> yeah so we've got matt stewart as a book and matt stewart as a guest uh, and we have some bump to the fronts to do in a moment uh, and 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 a special announcement of our first outside broadcast, our, our first meetup since all this madness happened exactly two years ago. Indeed. Uh, and we do have a couple, I'll do that now while I'm thinking about it, a couple of new patrons to yep. say thank you very much to, uh, we have Carl Britt, Matt Seals, Craig Richardson, Andy Fisher, Leon Droby, Casey Sisterton, no, Sister Son, yep. Luke Jones and Gareth Lines. So thank you very much for helping me pay for my Rayburn repairs. <laughs> yeah, none of the money now is going into the Fuji cast. It's all going towards Rayburn. What is a Ray- I thought it was an, I know an Arga. I've never heard of a Rayburn before. A uh, similar thing, basically. Yeah. Owned by the same company these days. It's yeah. a it's a big old thing that that's cooking. It's nice. It, it is, you know, as, as Gemma keeps saying, it's the, I'm like, maybe we should you know think about she in fact she was saying it the other day maybe we should think about ditching it you know and does it stay uh, on but it's character it's the character it warms that well, heats yeah. the house it yeah. cooks the house it dries our clothes you know the dog's like lying in front of it uh which is probably why it keeps getting clogged up and breaking <laughs> um it's just a lovely thing so it does everything it, it is also your heating system well it's not technically our heating system but it does when it's on it heats mm. the whole of the downstairs right we do have radiators and stuff, but I don't. I haven't switched radiators. No, kids, I've just bought them a new coat. They can go to bed in a coat. We've been thinking about buying one of those uh, log log uh, log burners. Oh yeah, because, yeah, we have one of them as yeah. well. Actually, well, really nice. I, yeah, well, we use gas and electricity, and mm. since that's become most expensive thing to have, we were thinking of just chopping down a few of our trees and burning that for the winter. Well, yeah, speak to me when the time comes. Because there are log burning is not a cheap exercise either. You have to do it in the get the right logs, right time of the year, all that kind of stuff. Oh no, that means somebody's going to make some money on logs, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. The price of logs went right up when fuel went up because everybody thought, oh, we'll start burning logs instead. So they all went up as well. Well, next door, I've got so many surplus trees. I thought of going next door one night in the night and chopping one of their trees down. Mm, Can't, Can't I just do that? No, you'll need to dry the logs. Probably if it's been outside for. 80 years it'll probably need to be dried for about three years <laughs> oh, this is getting i'm gonna buy a coat as well for the kids then yeah just sit there yeah. with big duvets yeah um so do we want to do the announcement for the broadcast now no we do that well, let's do that in the second half we'll keep you yeah, keep, keep your keep your waiting because it's a nice announcement right questions who wants to go first me or you 
You. Okay. Um, this is from Jody Cochillo. Hello to you both. Love the show. I'm shooting and loving black and white. I'm not a yes. professional. Yeah. What? Yes. I, yes. I'm not... I'm not a. What do you mean? Yes, is that the answer yes. to the question? Yes. Or, or yes, you, the answer is yes. Everybody should shoot in black and white and see in black and white. I'm not a professional. Most of what I know is self-taught by reading and watching YouTube videos. I've read a yellow, red, or green uh, filter when shooting landscapes are good for black and white, depending upon the scene. Do you recommend a coloured filter when shooting black and white for street or portraits? Thank you from Jody, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You, I don't think you use a, a filter when you're. Although, actually, you apply. Don't you apply a, a filter within your Acros simulation? Well, yeah. So I think Jody's talking about shooting JPEG, and you can. Or the monochrome and the and the Acros settings in the yeah. Fujifilm cameras have filters, so you can yes, apply yes. red, yellow, green. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I'm shooting streets, well, and basically whenever I'm shooting JPEG in black and white, I'm usually using the red filter because that's quite contrasty, yep. and that's what I like because I'm a contrasty kind of guy. Um, and uh, yeah, the others are a little bit more subtle, softer, green, I think, as Jody said, is uh, more aligns itself to kind of uh, softer shadow fall off and uh, landscapes and stuff like that. But yeah, remember, it's JPEG only. So if you are shooting raw, then you can do all of that kind of stuff in uh, Lightroom Capture One. But for, for filters, colours matching the filter colour, they they will be uh, more, more, more zingy. What? Uh, brighter, won't they? In the in the um, in the image. Yes, yes, true. They will indeed. But it's it's well, more about the character of the um, density of the image, really. Yeah. So a yellow one, for example, uh, is more is much kind of when you look at black and white, it's much like lacks the contrast right. that I like. Put it that way. Whereas red adds that contrast that I like. Um, but yes, you're right. You're quite right about the the color elements of things if you're shooting you know putting a, a an actual filter on the front of the camera then those applications will apply well would that be the same with a red filter in acros so for example a, a brick wall which are mostly red not always obviously but but mostly red will appear uh will appear lighter while say say this the sky will get very moody uh darker i would say Probably with a red filter, lighter. Um, yeah, more contrasty in those darker kind oh. of red areas. Oh, okay. Don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. Well, you don't uh, put a filter on yours anyway, do you? I do on the. It's always on the red filter in the JPEGs, oh, but it because it's always on it, I probably never really noticed the difference. Yeah, but if you're shooting, um, if you're shooting in uh, in RAW, of course, you're doing all this afterwards anyway, aren't you? Yeah. 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 So, so but as as Jody said at the beginning, the black and white stuff, and I said yes. Yeah. Uh, you know. I've said this a billion times before. If you see in black and white, if you yeah. set your camera to be black and white film sim simulation, even if you're shooting raw, yeah. then you'll you know you'll you'll see the definition of the image much clearer uh -huh. in the viewfinder, and then you can do whatever you want with the raw file. I noticed the other day that you um, you popped up. I'm always really fascinated when somebody puts up blog posts of a place where I regularly work, mm. and um, I think you you work at Wazing Park, which is. Twelve and a half minutes from my front door. Um, I know. I drive past your house. I know. Practically every you, Saturday at the moment. You never <laughs> drop in. You never drop in. Eh? We say, well, Mullins might drop in. We put the little. We put a place setting out for you and everything. You never <laughs> appear. Um, but um, yeah. So I, I noticed though that the latest one you've done. There's a, there's quite a lot of black and white. Or, or was it the one uh, last but one? But a lot of black and white. But that's because that's what that's what you love, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, you, my you, clients my clients nowadays get everything in black and white and colour. So yeah. I, I've got carte blanche 
when it comes to the blog and albums and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, if you could shoot, hard. if you could shoot an event only for black and white, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I do. I, I offer that as a as a package option. I give them a discount. Not many people go for it, but some people do. Maybe one a year. Uh, and it's just black and white, yeah, and they get a little discount and I can just do my thing. Isn't that a shame it has to be discounted? Because when you work black and white images, sometimes it can take longer if you really Well, work. yeah, you're right. But the way I see it is that if I have a black and white only wedding, then I normally shoot JPEG or I edit from the JPEG. I shoot oh. JPEG plus raw and I edit from the JPEG. So my workflow is much, much quicker. Oh. So I, I I pass that saving onto the consumer. I'm talking to you. BP. I'm talking to you, British Gas. I'm talking to you, <laughs> Greg's Bakery. I'm talking to you, Wood Suppliers of Wiltshire. Yeah, pass the savings on to the consumer. Yeah. Do you know what our local garage did? I, I don't when, know. When, when uh, Saint Rishi Shunak um, said when, when at 10 11 a.m. Saint, Saint Rishi Shunak, did you say? Yeah, he's a, he thinks he's a saint, doesn't he? Anyway, <laughs> okay. he's, he's come to save us all by doing sweet FA. But anyway, he he um, yeah, he announced at 11 a.m. or whenever they did the budget that uh, he, they were going to reduce fuel um, taxes by five five whole pence oh, yes. in a litre. Yeah. And uh, our local um, petrol station immediately at that point, put their prices up by five pence. No. So at 6 p.m. when the law came in, they could reduce them back by five pence to exactly what they were before. I'm very nearly, <laughs> I, I had to go and put a little bit in because I was on one mile left and there's no other way of getting fuel oh, around yeah, here. Yeah. So I went in, I put five, minimum amount you could put in was five quid and I pressed the, the trigger <laughs> and it, it instantly went up to 11 quid because it went so quick and I went in to pay and I was so angry and yeah, I, uh, I got back in the car and it it gone up to twenty two miles. No, oh, <laughs> oh, one pound ninety four a litre. The, oh. the average. Um, well, it doesn't sound like it's the average at your place, but the the average drop has been three and a half pence. That's, yes, that's the difference. That. That's the yeah. difference it should be making, but clearly, clearly, it isn't. And I don't yeah. think it is around here either. Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, Kev. Well, I, I get it that the cost has gone up. I, yeah. I totally understand that, and for the reasons why. But then there's profiteering on top, yeah. and you know it makes me angry. This uh, what you're what you're um, what you're hearing this week is is Kev's counselling session. Um, uh, I will <laughs> Got a whole month of it painted up. <laughs> I will gently steer you through this. Uh, do you want me to do another question? Because I think there's there's more than there are on the Facebook ones. Shall I? Shall yeah, I, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do another one. Uh, this one's from Chuck Thurmond. Greetings from Tennessee, where the petrol is five pence. Per gallon. He didn't write that bit. I just thought, I wondered how you would react. A big reason I switched to Fujifilm was the smaller size, lighter weight of the cameras, along with the wonderful images for the cameras, of course. But have either of you ever been questioned about your use of Fujifilm cameras while shooting professionally? Uh, Like many, my entry into the Fujifilm world was with an X100 series camera. Several years ago, a friend asked me to shoot a family reunion. Reunion. Um, easy for me to say. I carried a Canon DSLR along with a with a recently acquired X100S. As the afternoon went on, I found myself using the Fujifilm more and more, and the images it produced were excellent. But I did get some questioning looks and a couple of inquiries about that little camera. Compared to the Canon, the X100S looked like a Kodak Instamatic <laughs> from, the, from the 1970s. But after viewing the images on the LCD screen, those with worries about the little Fuji were content. 
and uh, they were well pleased once they received prints from the event. Since then, I've owned several more Fujifilm cameras and on occasion have had to explain to somebody that smaller mirrorless cameras can do the job, you know. Um, have either of you faced similar questions? I did ad-lib a little bit there. About your Fujifilm gear, perhaps from a client who was expecting a professional like you to be carrying a battleship-sized DSLR. Chuck Thurman, who has a PS, but we'll add that bit on in a moment. I think we've both had that, haven't we? I don't think I ever did, to be honest with you. I do remember that being a question that a lot of people, a lot of other photographers were asking yeah. right at the beginning, in the yeah. early days. Yeah. And it was always from photographers. But I don't, I don't recall ever a client questioning my uh, equipment that I'm using. Surely you've had somebody saddle up to you and say, whoa, what are you using there? That, that happens. Uh, oh, that, that happens with guests. Yeah. But yeah. I've never had, I've never had a client, you know, kind of think or say, they may have thought it, but I wouldn't mm. have known it, but they've never, nobody has ever said to me, not once, you know, even back in the early days when I was using the X100 and the X Pro mm. one, you know, it just, it just never happened. But I, I had yeah. that question many, many times from photographers. Yeah. I had it on a few video shoots when I've done commercial stuff mm. um, they, because I used to use a, a C100 quite a lot mm. um, because of the advantage of being able to plug the XLR cables in and run your sound at the same time. It was always a massive advantage to be able to use balanced sound going into a camera. Um, mm. But then when I swapped to, um, it would have been an XT, would it be a 2 or 3? I can't remember when I swapped fully. Then the XH1. And I did get a few questions from some, well, two clients in particular, um, who were fine about it because the, the end product, when they received it, no probs. They couldn't tell the difference. It was a bit more of a pain in post-production for sound, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, uh, because I had to use, um, oh, what was it, pluralized, pluralized to, to yeah. sync the sound in the images. But apart from that, no, I, I never questioned at weddings. Yeah, I, I think now it's different also because, you know, the everything is smaller now, even like Nikon, Canon, they've all got smaller DSLRs. Yeah. I mean, most, well, not most, but a lot of professional video guys will be using Sony systems. Yes. You know, they're all small now. I, I, I yeah, it's certainly not a thing now, and it was never really a thing in the past. Um, I noticed today, actually, as we record this, Fujifilm have announced some firmware updates to enable the um, Tascam XLR feed into the X-T4. Oh, good, uh, good. And I've got one of them on order, those Tascams. Uh, it's stuck in Germany at the minute. Uh, um, <laughs> stand so, by, everybody, stand by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so they, there's, there was a whole raft of firmware updates today, Fujifilm cameras, by the way. So check your firmware updates, everybody. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that ability to stick a XLR into my X-T4. I wonder what's going to happen, though, because it will still have, it will still then go into the camera unbalanced. Uh, I'm not sure it does. There's some. I read something about it being very funky. Hmm. technically funky well i wonder how um, that happens without the fairies <laughs> is that how it happens yeah is that fairies, they just they, those fairies pedal very fast right okay <laughs> when you when you connect when you've got two fairies one from fujifilm one from tascam pedaling at the same on the same bicycle yeah magic happens Does... <laughs> yeah all right well there we go there's your, there's your technical answer who needs youtube when you got kev <laughs> Um, he had a he had a PS here, Kevin. I live near the cave that Johnny Cash supposedly visited in the in the late sixties. As the story goes, he was battling drugs, alcohol, and despair, and he entered the the cave intent on oh blimey, this is dark on dying. But eventually, he emerged a changed man. 
I'd invite you to visit that site next time you're in the States, but the cave was partially flooded following the construction of a hydroelectric dam. It's been closed to boaters in recent years uh, to protect a colony of bats from disease. What's this story going? Oh, well, says Chuck. So he'd like you to go there, but you can't, Kev. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that story, and I would. Well, that's the, the, Gemma and I and the kids were talking the other day. We went out for Mother's Day, and we ended up chatting about what, what, what we might do for my 50th birthday. Oh, right, okay. And, uh, yeah, one of the one of the options was... Uh, to go to the cave where, where Johnny Cash... <laughs> yeah, and, well, all of that, yeah, right. all of these different things. Yeah. You're not ba- you're not battling alcohol and despair any longer though. Are you? Well, you you have got an oh, element I'm battling despair, despair every day yeah, of the day of the life. Yeah, yeah. Not alcohol though. No. Yeah, you went. Uh, yeah, by by then you might have to swim to America. I'm afraid. <laughs> like it. Or dress way- up as a bat. <laughs> um, so thank you. Right, your your question, Kev. Uh, okay, first question. Uh, latest question in the Facebook group. Uh, as Neil said, you could, there's many ways you can get questions to us in the Facebook group. If you're not a member, just search for Fujicast. And there is a pin thread, questions for the show. All those questions get put on the show. You can also send an email, as Neil said, click at fujicast.co.uk. Or you can go to the website and... Uh, fill in the contact form um, and while you're at the website you can take a look at the the videos page if you so wish where I'm curating lots and lots of uh, cool online videos for you to watch and patron of course patrons get bumped to the front yeah. did we do the bump to the front did we not do them we talked about it and then didn't do it so should we do it should we, uh, yeah okay. <laughs> let's do this one first and then we'll do the patron <laughs> promise Chris J Guy how cool is that name Chris J Guy I want to be called Chris J Guy uh, hello, boys. Uh, Neil. Oh, this is for you. Do you still make your famous photo films? The last one on your YouTube channel is from four years ago. Yeah. And I'm curious to see if and how they have evolved. Okay. Well, number one, um, yes, I do. Yes, I do still make them. In fact, I'm I'm three behind at the moment. I've been a bit, uh, I've been a bit delayed. I don't know why, Kev. I've been getting very fussy about how I'm making them, it seems. Um, so I do still make them. As for YouTube, I don't really upload those to YouTube. I suppose I could do, and I, I just there'll be loads of content going in there. But uh, I've 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 loaded a few up there, and then I sort of came away from loading them to to YouTube. But yes, I, I do still do them. It's, well, I think people would like to see more of them. Well, I do apologise. I'll, I'll try and keep up with it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll pull me finger out, as they say yes. in Grand, Get on it. Grand Get on it. Britannia. I, I must also pull my finger out when it comes to Instagram as well, because um, two two years ago. I stopped posting to my wedding Instagram. Just stop, Kev. I just I had this thing about, oh, nobody wants to know about weddings and stuff. And I just and I never got back into the habit. And then the other day, you said to me that marketing um, forces have changed dramatically. That many of your bookings now come through Instagram. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> My Gemma just sent me a picture of our meter readings at home. To, <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, hold on, God. Kev. Uh, hold on, hold on. Warning! Warning! This could uh, set Kev off. I don't know about you, but our our house electricity we we have electricity and gas through the same provider. We do seventy six percent hours went up, or will go up on the first of April. Did you fix yours, by the way? Can I just check? Did you fix your? Uh, well, yeah, it's fixed for uh, I think a year. I went on U Switch, and they said, yeah, you, there's no point changing. That's the best one you you can do, really. Right, okay. Um, I I can't remember the question because you you were reading it, but, but <laughs> Sorry, the first part of it was about the photo films, and then I countered it with Instagram, Kev. Ah, um, yes, yeah. yes, Instagram, yes. So, uh, yeah, I, well, I was going through my stats the other day and just looking at inquiries, so general, because I track all my inquiries. Yeah, and uh, six out of the last fifteen, I think it was, 
in, uh, inquire, not not actually inquiries, but six out of the last fifteen people that booked. Right. So there were more inquiries, but people who actually booked, and that that does take us back into like September last year. Yeah. But over that period, six of them uh, cited Instagram as where they found me. Really? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that's changed yeah. dramatically then. Mm, yes and no. I think probably more people are, you know, Instagram is now kind of ubiquitous. I can't say it. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Is that right? Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, Kev. Ubiquitous. <laughs> Careful. It's <laughs> Instagram is synonymous perhaps then with uh, more people are more used to using it and planning weddings and stuff on it, yeah, I think, and yeah. various things like that. So yeah, it's, it's working for me. And I know, I know we had a whole thread on Facebook about it and we, you know, Instagram has changed the algorithm. It's all about reels and blah, 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 mm, blah. Mm. But you know, as Matt Stewart says in our interview today, if you, if you have a negative attitude about something, it will reward you by kicking you in the negativities. <laughs> um, so have a, have a positive uh, approach to things and, and it will probably reward you. Shiny little, hap- shiny little happiness. Yeah. So yeah. that's all you've got to do to be successful on Instagram is you've just got to look at your computer and, and say instagram's great isn't instagram great it's awesome man and then you'll get loads of bookings through the door that's that's all well, you seem to, to be doing all right with it actually so um yeah how, how often do you make sure that you post on insta i don't have any schedule whatsoever but i this week i've done two well, uh yeah last week i did two yeah then i might i think probably since christmas i've done five max oh, i just not, do it when i've got there's not loads there yeah. no well i you know again we've said it loads of times haven't we people use it i think for the wrong reasons yeah. they expect it to be a marketing platform and it's not marketing and branding are different and branding needs to be approached in a very subtle way and that will that can filter through to marketing but they are different it's I, not I, it's not yeah. a place to put to just advertise yeah. people don't want to be sold to constantly yeah they want to they want to stumble across your stuff and then go like that Oh, I well, hate that. I, and, and I have noticed, though, with your Instagram, you, you're doing less of the personal stuff than you used to do. Yeah, but just because I've done nothing personal. <laughs> we can't afford to go out. Kids, <laughs> put another duvet on. Uh, I do. I do also have my other Instagram account, um, the street photography one, which I, I haven't logged on that in, in a, the same period of view, like two yeah. or three years. And I looked at it the other day, and it's got like two and a half thousand subscribers. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot about that thing. Hey, better uh, do some but there more. you go. All right. Um, right. Should we do some bump to the fronts before we hear from Matt Stewart for our interview today? Okay. So I'm just looking. We've got. We don't really have a bump to the front question. Come on, patrons. You can get you get your head in the in front of the line here. Uh, we do have one from Gareth Lines. Have you had Roman Fox on the podcast as a guest? And the answer is no. However, <laughs> we shall add him to the potentials list. Yeah. Put him on the list. That's from Gareth Lines. So Roman Fox. I'm just typing Roman Fox into my list of uh, potential interview guests. Um, Snappy Snaps by Fox, by the way, is his Instagram account. It's very good. I have, I have followed it. Um, well, on, on the same, um, before we go to the interview there, Martin Dolog um, has contacted us with a suggestion as well. Hi, guys. First of all, you have my deepest respect for the best podcast um, I've found so far. <laughs> it could change and it's not just a photography podcast well we are aren't we really well uh, maybe not um now now we've turned into a counseling service for kev obviously with all, <laughs> with all that's going on Th- thank you and thank you again for doing what you're doing a friend of mine from czechia recommended me to diaries from Josef kadelka have you got diaries i'm not sure i don't uh, think i have it's a book that's not available in english yet i knew this uh, photog- uh, photographer existed before but reading his diary 
I, uh, I realise how unique he, his life is. What a man, what a human being, what a life. Look him up. I think he's still alive, most likely not willing to chat with you two. But no, no, Kadelka. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we know about Kadelka a lot, and he, he, he um, he's great. But yeah, I don't think I have that book. I like that. Not willing to chat with you two. I didn't, I didn't read the rest, but I will with you two wedding photographers. But if you could get him to talk, that would be something. Martin from Slovakia. Uh, <laughs> well, when when we interviewed um, David Hearn, yes. he he talked a lot about Kadelka and his friends with him and stuff. And we did have an off-air conversation, and he was uh, he said, yeah, he's he doesn't really doesn't get out too much now and do stuff. But yeah, old gentleman. Yeah, yeah. But um, yes, we are very. Aware. We've had him as a book of the week, surely. Yes. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, several times, I think. Right, interview. We we've got Matt Stewart this week. Now, Matt is Matt a friend of yours? No, I've never met Matt before. Oh. I've been to talks that he's done. I've seen him on the streets photographing. Yeah. Um, while I've been out and photographing, but no, I, I, no. I mean, I would like to think that he would, you know, buy me a coffee, sort of thing, and I would buy him a coffee too. But yeah, I wouldn't say friends is is the but, is the word to use. I mean, but, um, street work is just phenomenal. His timing seems to be. Uh, seems it, to, it, yeah. In my mind, he is he is the um, probably the uh, definition of um, kind of modern, quirky, successful street photography. You, you know, there's there's no cliches in his work. It, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he, he alludes to the element of you know it's hard in the interview, and you know. People often think that people like Matt will just go out and get an award-winning picture straight magic, away. Yeah, magic. Away. But yeah, probably, in my mind, the best street photographer, active street photographer right now that I know of. Today we have Matt Stewart, a street photographer that many of you will be aware of because we've spoken about him many times on the podcast. So uh, thanks, Matt, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. The first thing I wanted to just uh, quickly mention is your... Uh, most of your work that people will be um, familiar with is is the streets of London, but you're 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 no longer there. You're in Amsterdam. How's that going? It's going really well. Well, I mean, uh, I left in uh, February 2020, which was um, a month before the pandemic hit. So it's been obviously a strange time, but um, yeah, very good. It's uh, nice to have a new territory, new new place to photograph. I'm very much into photographing where I live, um, and so. Having lived in London uh, all of my life, moving to the Netherlands and uh, having, you know, where I live change has been really inspiring. Uh, completely different sort of beat uh, here. You know, it's uh, uh, very different territory, but um, I'm enjoying it and I, I'm, I'm enjoying the change. Um, and I'm also in the nicest possible way uh, enjoying not being in England while the uh, Conservatives are uh, in charge. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, yes. I mean, being in Britain at the moment is a little bit like, uh, yeah, it's it, it seems to be going backwards rather than forwards for sure. Um, so I would say I'm looking at your bio now on your website, by the way, and uh, there's a lovely paragraph. It says, I can't behind, hide behind lights and technology. I'm reliant on a small camera, patience and lots of optimism. But what I get in return is the chance to make an honest picture that people know immediately as a genuine moment and which hopefully burrows deep into their memories. Uh, I think that's beautiful. And uh, I, I think that probably sums up your photography for me, at least, I, you know, I've been a huge fan of your work. And uh, I think if I was to use one word to describe your photos, it might not be the word you would use, but I would say quirky. Um, is that is that appropriate, do you think? 
Yeah, I, I mean, quirky's fine. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, pictures people take uh, reflect their personalities and and who they are. Uh, and I'm um, reasonably uh, sort of open, um, positive, maybe quirky as well. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the pictures definitely resemble me. I think uh, I'm looking at your Instagram reel now and um, uh, the last but one image is one that you uh, shot. This I'm not sure if this is from the archives or, or whether this is a recent trip to London, um, but it, it's, uh, it's the one title about avoidance. Um, and so for the people, I really re- recommend you go to the Instagram feed for Matt. Um, and it's a brilliant picture. It's this, uh, this scene in, um, looks like it's on bank, uh, outside Bank of England. Yep. Uh, and you've got these, uh, you've got these doctors and stuff in the background and, and you've made a point of avoiding those because they're cliche. And I think this image really is just a typical Matt Stewart picture. Do you want to explain a little bit more about how that come about and uh, why, why I think this is a typical Matt Stewart picture? <laughs> well, it's, um, it, it was taken a while back. It's, it's not, not that new, but um, it's a, one of the things, uh, I mean, I have lots of friends and I've really been in this sort of game for a long time. And one of my friends is Joel Meyerowitz, who's a sort of mentor and um, big sort of inspiration. But one of the things that we spoke about um a long time ago and something that he talks about is sort of finding the uh you know th- that main ingredient to a photograph and then almost rejecting it sticking it sticking sticking it to the side or 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 you know putting it out of the middle of the frame um and this is one of those instances and i remember seeing these uh, they look like nurses or doctors or surgeons i don't know what they are but they're sitting on the step all in their scrubs with their you know purple hats and red shoes and they're reading newspapers and i know I, I remember thinking wow that's it's kind of very odd and strange uh, but then having uh, that sort of conversation with joel ringing in my ears and saying okay well let's reject them let's let's uh, stick them over there and almost make them just an, another point of interest within the frame. And then standing back, I saw a, a man who was asleep on the bench. Um, and it is it, it, it interesting because actually I, I, I find sleeping in public is a very, uh, you have to be quite um, confident or inebriated um, <laughs> to do, to do it because uh, you do sort of leave yourself quite exposed especially in a city or a, you know, a busy town. And this man is, he's, I would say he's sort of slumped uh, he, and he's definitely not drunk. He's been reading a book, but he's just decided to crash out, which I think is for me, I think is interesting, or at least, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not, not ordinary. It's, it's something different. And so uh, he was sort of a nice extra ingredient. And then as I pressed the button to take the photograph, a man walked past, but did that uh, photo duck, you know, the thing that yeah. uh, I'm sure you've had it, you know, people, it's, actually, I mean, I actually, someone should do a book on them, or, 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 but, but just people who really want to not be in the photograph or are being extremely polite. But he did one of those things where he just ducked out of the way. But um, luckily for me, I managed to keep him in. Uh, and he seemed like a reasonably interesting character as well. So it has three layers um, as a photograph. And the main sort of the, the main reason that I stopped uh, to take the picture has been rejected and, and put at the, the far end of the frame. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great picture, and it's and it has all those layers as well. Like you said, you know, it's 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 uncluttered as well. So it, you know, there's no overlap. It, it's 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 a brilliant picture with a, a good moment. And you're right about the it's a very British thing, isn't it, to avoid that? You know, I'm dreadfully sorry, and uh, either walk around the camera or duck. Whereas perhaps if you're in your, in New York, he would have just walked right in front of you and <laughs> just totally ignored you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so it's um, uh, those kind of uh, little happy accidents that happen, um, I think are really important. And it's, and, and it is um, also when you're in that moment, I, I think we must remind ourselves to actually press the button and think, and don't think, oh my God, they're in the way of my picture. Think, nope, take it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's important. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, it may not be, I often say to people, a benign picture today might be a powerful picture next week. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's really true. And, you know, when we, if somebody goes to your website and they, they look at that, they just click on photographs, they see all of your iconic uh, photos, many of which were, uh, were taken in London. And the first one that, that pops up is one of my my favourites with, with the gentleman with the umbrella um, and that, that kind of hooked nose uh, at the bus stop. Yeah. Um, now, I, I wanna, I've always wanted to ask you this question: Is that something that uh, that unfolded in front of you? Was that something you saw from a distance? Were you concentrating on something else? Is it a happy little accident, as you just said? Uh, yeah, no, how did that happen? Yeah. No. The the in that picture, there's a lady standing on the bench, um, mm-hmm. and she was the thing that actually stopped me. Um, and it, it, I remember at the time it reminded me of a, a Gus Powell picture, who's one of my friends, and um, and it was like, oh, this is similar to one of his. And anyway, so I stopped um, and started photographing her. And then this old gentleman just turned up, looked down the street. It was obviously obviously taken in the evening because the light shines down Oxford Street um, from uh, the top of Marble Arch down, um, and he's shielding his eyes, uh, trying to see when the next bus is coming. Um, and he, he, he was there, for, I would have thought for maybe a minute or, <laughs> or two uh, doing that. And um, because of, I presume the sun heading straight down his, into his face, he didn't really know what I was doing. So I was just s- stood there photographing him uh, and the lady on the bench for, for a minute or two. And it was uh, handy that, that, that he was like that for such a long time because to um, spread the elements within that frame, it took maybe 10 to 15 um, shots. Mm. And only one of them worked, which was that one. Um, you know, the, the, the lady who in the yellow sho- shoes who's walking um, uh, across the frame was important. The people on the left-hand side were important. So all of those uh, characters were um, important and it took a while to get that right. Um, so yeah, it was just one of those, uh, kind of quite nice situations where you can spend a bit of time with the main subject doing something slightly strange, uh, and it gives you time to, uh, arrange the elements. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, when you go out shooting, whether that's here or in Amsterdam or anywhere in the world, I suppose, do you go out with a, um, an ambition to look for something? Do you have a a theme in mind or is it literally the light's good at this time of day? I'm off with my camera and see what happens. Um, I sort of, I tend to split my head into lots of different, um, characters. Um, at the moment I'm really interested in, I mean, at the moment I've been photographing this industrial estate, which I'm enjoying. Uh, and I go there at certain times. Um, 
to photograph that when the light is good and the colors are good. And then if I go into Amsterdam, I've actually discovered that the, the light is fantastic at around uh, one or two o'clock in the afternoon because of the, the, the streets are a different shape to um, the London streets, which are a, a lot wider, a lot busier. The, these are all sort of little, well, I kind of consider Amsterdam a little bit like Paris. It's a bit of a museum. Uh, and so a lot of the streets are still kind of um, in the shape that they were 100, 200 years ago. And the, the light shoots down and, and, and makes great sort of shadows and, and then lit cross sections. Uh, it is a little bit like a sort of mini New York. It's sort of based on a kind of grid system. And uh, the light there is fantastic. And, and those kind of pictures are just classic, I guess, street photographs with no theme around them. And then I'm, I'm, I mean, at the moment, I'm really interested in a painter called Jeffrey Smart, who is an Australian uh, painter. He was an Australian painter. He's dead now. He, he, um, he made paintings a little bit, they're kind of hopper-esque in a way, but sort of with an industrial lean. And so I'm trying to find these sort of themes that are similar to his work. So riffing off of a painter. Uh, so I, I do that. And then I, I have a sort of bigger um, project which is just on the Netherlands um, and photographing the Netherlands and the weird and the wonderful. Um, so I, I definitely compartmentalize my photography into different sections so that if one wears out, I can go back to another and and reinvigorate it and feel reinvigorated myself, um, as opposed to just the the slog of the let's hope that something happens as I walk out the door, which is important and you must have. But I, I quite like the idea of starting and finishing things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think um, you know, I, I I kind of when I speak to people about street photography and I mention you, it's. I always say that, you, you know, you are a, it's what I would consider honest street photography. You know, it's not these days. I think there's, there's a lot of issues, you know, there's, there's cliches of course, but I think a lot of it comes and not in your work, but cliches in street photography now, because I think a lot of people are worried about privacy and uh, the concerns about that. Uh, you know, certainly in London, I find that people are kind of standing back a bit more. Maybe they're using silhouettes or lights and shade. How, how is how do you think that's affecting you if it is at all this this whole almost i don't know um hatred almost of of people on the street with cameras which is awful but it it seems to be getting worse with privacy campaigns and all things like that to be absolutely honest i just get so wrapped up in my own head when i'm doing it that i don't really uh, care what people think or spend the time to think about what people think I just do what I'm doing and sometimes people do come up to me and ask me what I'm doing um, I mean at the moment I'm photographing quite a lot of buildings and the Dutch I've discovered are let's call it curious but they constantly uh, I'm constantly asked you know what are you doing and then I just have to say honestly what I'm doing and they they realize pretty I would say on about sort of third or fourth second of the conversation that I'm just this um, slightly strange photographer bloke that enjoys uh, photographing things um, you know yesterday I was photographing a red building and I was asked why are you photographing the building I said because it's red um, <laughs> and, so, um, and and that that was the honest answer and that was why I was photographing the building so yeah I, but as far as that the kind of um, hostility towards photographers I mean I just generally uh, do it and imagine that 
I don't imagine anything. I just do, do it and uh, don't think about it too much. And if anyone asks me what I'm up to, I tell them honestly what I'm doing. Usually I'm not doing anything that I shouldn't be doing uh, unless I've accidentally stumbled upon, you know, a nuclear base, and in which case I say, say sorry and I leave. But yeah, I, I'm, I don't think about it too much. And I think the more you think about it, the more likely you are to be, you know, glowing red um, and to be standing out. We'll have uh, more of Matt Stewart shortly on the programme. We're now doing our, our interviews in two parts, like we always did, but not across two weeks, um, because we're monthly. You're going to have the second part coming shortly. You didn't talk about, I know you didn't talk about, it's not in part one or two, about one particular image that uh, I love of him. Well, so many images that you could talk about. But in, in his tab, All That Life Can Afford, there are two images in particular. One, one is the, the lad that's climbing on the post box with a red BMW in the background. Mm. You look at it and you think, surely that was set up. He must have found a, a lad wearing a red top to jump on a red post box in front of a red BMW. But it is a game of absolute patience with him, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, absolutely no chance of anything being set up. Matt, that is an incredible picture. Yeah. Just basically all of his pictures are incredible. Yeah, yeah and, and, and some people might say it's luck, but there's, there's hard work involved in luck. There's a whole science behind luck. Uh, in, including the ability to listen to your intuition and, um, well, actually follow it, Kev. As he says in the interview, if you do 25,000 steps or 20,000 steps a day, things will happen in front of you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Step count, Kev, step count. Right, we'll do Book of the Month very, very soon. Do you want to do a question or do you want me to do one? Uh, I can do one. Do uh, Bob Rose says, gentlemen, first off, I'm so glad to have stumbled across the Foodcast podcast back in 2020, shortly after the vid hit. Oh, it's getting all kinds of uh, shortenings now, isn't it? The vid with the, an apostrophe in front of it. The vid. The Rona. That's what we call it around here. The Got Rona. the Rona yet? Nah, yeah. I ain't had the Rona. Have you had the Rona yet, Kev? I ain't had the Rona. You've no. escaped. You must be the only person in the whole planet that's escaped the Rona by the same. No, Layla and Gemma also. They no. haven't had the Rona. They haven't had the Rona. Uh, Layla is uh, Welsh Gar's wife. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I think we might be. <laughs> yes, you are the only two. You, I tell you what, cart them off to do some special tests. They've clearly got something about them. Uh, right. He goes on to say, your humour makes me laugh and the knowledge shared helps me understand my future film, XT4. Right. Uh, you guys are just what I needed. Second, uh, my Mondays will be a bit less satisfying now that you're going to well, go no, into the month We're here today. We're here today. Um, but as long as you cast, I will be listening. Yeah. Keep up the great work. So, now a question. What experiences do either of you have using Fujifilm cameras for infrared photography? Oh. Uh, and as a follow-up, what thoughts do you guys have regarding using an unconverted camera and a filter versus converted camera? Bob in Nebraska. Okay, well, I have no experience at all of using those. Have you? No. No. <laughs> that was a very quick one then, wasn't it? No. However, I do know a couple of people who have done them, and I have seen images from them, and they do look quite... I wouldn't say it's my cup of tea. No. I, I probably wouldn't spend money on converting a camera to infrared. But if you're interested in that kind of uh, image where essentially everything looks like it's been snowing, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you get these these kind of... Uh, scenes of a, like a building with grass out in front of it and it looks like it's got snow on it but mm. they are quite striking pictures for sure and you can get cam you can get your cameras converted um for a while i think fujifilm actually did an infrared camera that was only available to military and uk police wow. it's not certainly not something that you can you can buy wow. um but you can get your cameras converted and 
Yeah, you know, there is a button in Photoshop you can press infrared. You've never been tempted? Nah, not really. You're not very much into the cotton wool water scenes either, are you? No, cotton I wool. don't like. Co- I don't co- like milky water. Milky water. See, I love the the cotton wool or milky, as you call it, water. I love those shots, but you're not into that. They're right? very. I mean, I I get it. I I understand why people like them from a, a kind of very aesthetics calming point of view, I suppose. Mm. But to me, it just doesn't look real. It just you know. But I I think it, sometimes when it goes beyond the obvious and become something almost like you'd find on another planet then i admire those more because then it, it, it transcends from a photograph to a piece of art i think um but generally when it's just a uh, you know running water that's milky not your cup of tea <laughs> not really right. i'm afraid okay. i don't even have milk in my tea either so there you go we can't afford it now kev oh. <laughs> that's how much thing. is a pint of milk uh f- um sp- 60, 60, 70 pence, something like that. What? It used to be 24 pence. Well, prices have gone up, Kev. When I was delivering milk, it was 11 pence <laughs> for a pint. It used to come in a proper glass bottle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When was the last time you bought milk? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue how much a pint of milk is, I have to say. Right, okay. Um, Keith Fincham, hello from Australia, Neil and Kev. To say that I enjoy your podcast would be to understate the obvious. I've followed you, Kev, since the start. Oh, watch out, you've got a stalker. <laughs> I, I love my Fujifilm cameras and hope you lads or one of the expert community you move in might be able to answer. A few days ago, I went on a photo shoot outing with a camera club I joined here in Brisbane. Or Brizzy, they call it Brizzy, don't they? I had my X-T4 and the Fujinon 100-400mm zoom. Um, it was to a, a birding wetlands. Very little of what I shot was in clean focus. I've tried since adjusting settings in the AF menus to allow tracking AF in CH, but the results are still disappointing, especially when compared with what friends using uh, the Nikon GRP autofocus or the Canon equivalent were achieving. Is it my ineptitude in this environment, or perhaps the way the camera is set up that's causing some disappointing results? Any help and advice would be greatly accepted. Best regards. You are always... What? You are always part of my retirement day. What does he mean by that? I don't know. Mm. Retirement day, uh, the first Monday of every month, retirement day. It's retirement day, yeah. Oh, there we go. Happy retirement day, Kev. Yeah. Uh, It felt like retirement day for the last two years at times. Well, I mean, it's it's very hard to say because we don't know necessarily what was being taken pictures of how fast they were moving all of that kind of stuff but the thing to remember if you're using ch and continuous focus is that you have to half depress the shutter to start acquiring the focus and then when a a focus is acquired then kaplunk it down kaplunk and keep it kaplunked down uh for it to to do the tracking um so yeah that's that's possibly what's what's not working but yeah it shouldn't be any I mean, uh, X-T4 is a fantastic camera, autofocus speed, so um, there shouldn't be any issues whatsoever with it. But, yeah, I mean, it does depend somewhat on what you're trying to to photograph. Are we blaming Keith here? Uh, No, not directly, (laughs) just perhaps a misunderstanding of continuous focus, which is very easy to do. But, uh, yeah, I, I suspect it's something to do with that. Um, just get used to the way that that works, that operates. I mean, if you if you really want to test whether your your camera or your lens is faulty, then uh, take a take a photo of a, a solid object on your uh, desk 
and and check the focus there. And then if it's if it's still continuously out of focus, which it should really not be because no. you don't have to do lens adjustments or calibrations, no. then uh, then there's something wrong down the line. But no. more than likely, it's probably the uh, implementation, let's say, of yeah. continuous focus. Right. Um, Facebook. Let's have a Facebook, and then uh, we'll have the second part of Matt Stewart. Okay, I'm having to go quite a way up the list four weeks ago. So, Albert of Villaroman says, what do you think of the Leica look? Is it real, or just a term some Leica owners use to describe the images produced by the digital cameras or lenses? Do they only apply to Leica lenses, or are they also produced by other cameras, or by the camera sensors? P.S. He's just trying to justify his Leica gear purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's, I think there's a thing such uh, such as the Leica look, but then I also think there's a thing such as the Canon look and the yeah. Nikon look and the Fujifilm look. Uh, when do you think, though, when think, do you think that, when do you think those looks uh, are most? I mean, I think certainly with Canon, but with my experience of them, it would be the the color rendition. Now, you you can honestly look at I can look at a Canon and a Fuji image that I've made and tell the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a Canon look and there's a a Fuji film. When I do you know when I look at your your images, your wonderful images in the blog for the weddings recently, I know, I know, I could, I, I know that they're shot with a Fuji film camera. I know you do a little bit of treatment on them as well, but there's definitely a look, a feeling. Yeah, I think all sensors cameras have a, a particular look, yeah, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, ultimately, it will come down to a combination of the lens as well as the camera you're using. Uh, like a camera, of course, full frame. Um, if you're using one of the Summicron lenses, you know, it's going to look slightly different. Yeah, people talk about the optics being the difference, don't they? So this um, this like a glow that seems to be talked about in the forums. Maybe that's a difference, Kev. So so maybe maybe it does exist. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a thing such as the Leica look, but I think it's churlish to believe that only Leica has a particular look. Mm. All cameras have a particular look. Yeah, yeah. For example, iPhones or any phone, they all produce amazing images, but you can easily tell when you're looking at the artificial bouquet uh, that they're, they're on a phone. Could you tell the difference between um, one that your Huawei is taken and, uh, and an iPhone then, do you think? Yeah. Because the one on the Huawei probably wouldn't be trying to make me subscribe to something else and, and take all <laughs> money out of my back pocket and, no, and Kev, refuse to give me a plug um, and charge me. You not- see, <laughs> uh, I noticed that they made some new iMacs or Mac Airs or Mac something or others, yeah. which look very good, actually. Yeah. They, they, they have SSDs in them, uh, which you can actually get to, but you can't replace them. They've got a software lock on it, oh, so you can't actually replace it. I thought- I'm telling you now, <laughs> I, they need to look at what happened to IBM. IBM proprietary went bust stop taking the fool out of people i thought there was praise coming then kev no done right <laughs> do you think we'll ever get sponsored by apple uh no i think the the likelihood is uh, is zero to nothing <laughs> i just honestly i think they make beautiful things mm. but why not why 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 for the love of the money what well, it is for the love of the money why treat people so badly I, i've I, never I, felt you know. treated badly i'm a i've been okay an you, Apple you user buy one of these years. new flying imac things right. and decide that your ssd isn't quite big enough when you purchase it and you think i don't want to pay their extra two thousand dollars for an extra 500 gig ssd what i'll do is i'll replace it so you get it home you unscrew it you remove all of the the fittings yeah. you replace it and then a software thing comes up and says you replace this ssd you can only use official apple ssds your computer will no longer work yeah, but, but kev that's the engine i mean 
you, you didn't drive your Kia home and think, I know what, I can't afford a Mercedes, so I'll get the Kia home and just buy a new engine from Mercedes, stick it in, and it'll drive like a Merc. Oh, the bits don't... The bits don't fit, and the engine management is saying, excuse me. No, 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 no. <laughs> ever been frustrated by a lightning plug port that doesn't fit in anything else that's ever been invented in the entire world? No, because I have loads of adapters, Kev, that all cost <laughs> exactly. £60. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but also, Kev, seriously, um, it, it is a bit of a Windows disease, isn't it, that you lot... <laughs> You lot like to take your your computers apart and um, and tune them. You're 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 a tune up demon. You are, but point well, made. But no, you're right about PCs as well. I just wish everybody went USB C. Like just yeah. everything in the entire world of everything just went USB C. Yeah, well, that's like everything. One hole for yeah, everything. Yeah, with that one, that's that's like everything to do with chargers, etc., etc. Isn't it? I wish everything was the same charger. But it's not environmental savings. I know, it's huge, and it's not nothing. It's that's not just Apple. That's all the different oh, manufacturers of all yeah. the different machines that eventually use a Windows system. So it is. It is everybody. But it's mostly in this, Apple. But it's it not mostly Apple at all. Right. Okay. Let's uh, hear the uh, second part. Rescue, Kev. Rescue. Second part <laughs> of our interview with. Um, oh, I, I think you've now titled him as one of the world's, if not the world's finest documentary street photographer at the moment. In my mind, he is absolutely. Yeah. This is Matt Stewart. A lot of people who listen to the the podcast are uh, professional photographers in some ways, uh, wedding photographers, portraits, all that kind of stuff. But but most of them are. Uh, you know, they, they they love street photography, and and I know that for a fact because we you know we do photo walks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think a question that we get asked a lot is how how could you make a living from something like this? So my question to you, without kind of giving away any of your your secrets or anything like that, but is how do you you know how do you pay the bills? Where 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 does the presumably you get commissions and various other things and it, it's it's not just a case of taking pictures and putting them on your website and hope people buy prints no no yeah it's uh i would say it's a constant hustle um and you have to diversify as a photographer you have to um uh you have i, I think you do need to draw a line as to what you will and won't do i, I remember quite early on agreeing with myself not to uh do any corporate photography for tobacco companies. Um, and I've held that one all the way through 25 years. But yeah, I mean, I I sell prints. I sold a print last week. I do occasionally, very occasionally do advertising work, um, which is very lucrative, but really it doesn't come along very often. I, uh, what else do I do? I do, I did do workshops um, two years ago until the pandemic hit. I've yeah probably do workshops again at some stage i get asked to do talks oh i sell books i print i print books and sell books you know if someone wanted a portrait or something like that done i got an email yesterday to to do an album cover for a a band um and i I don't really know if i do album covers or not but i can maybe give it a go and you know see see what what's that like but i would just say it's a a constant hustle and you you need to think okay i you sort of draw photography as a as a a graph and then you need to put different lines out saying you know print sales corporate work commissioned work uh, charity work making a book selling a book making a mag selling a mag doing a workshop doing a lecture, blah, blah, blah. And throughout that, you end up just about scraping a living, but you definitely don't, you don't get rich. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a, actually, I don't know any sort of contemporary street photographers who are rich. 
<laughs> so, so, but, uh, I mean, potentially, if you were photographing in the 50s and the 60s and you're a, a big name, you may well have done reasonably well because your you know, photography was so imperative and so important at that time. And, and it was such an amazing time. Um, but no, I don't think there's any I don't know anyone who's who's uh, uh, rich, but I knew, know a few people are making a living doing it. And I, I guess that's the dream really is because it's not a job. Yeah, it's enjoying yourself, isn't it? And making some money from it. Yeah, I mean, it's every day that I've been a photographer, I've never considered it a job. I've always thought, wow, this is, you know, don't tell anyone about this because this is a, this is is great. This is great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, so I, I, um, but also I I do think you need one of the other things, and maybe it's because I'm totally stupid, but it's, you know, keeping positive, keeping going is important. If as soon as you get sort of one of those kind of, you know, bitter, beaten down, you know, photo hack type people um, that says there's no money left in this and blah, 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 blah. Well, generally it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and there won't be. Um, and with that kind of attitude, you, you kind of, or you, you not even pass go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are, there are too, there are too many of those types of people. Um you mentioned uh, briefly their books, and and we did way. I think uh, all that life can afford. When you first published that, I think I bought that directly from your website, and now of course it's. Uh, I think it's in its second edition now, um, and that that's that's kind of like an anthology of of perhaps your classic work. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, which you may may or may not be able to answer. But if you could pick one picture as your favourite from from that kind of, uh, uh, you know, well, any of your pictures really, which which would you say is is the one that defines Matt Stewart? Um, let me think. In the second edition, uh, there's a picture that I added to it, um, which was also chosen uh, to be at the beginning of the new Bystander book. It was a picture that Joel. Um, particularly liked and it's taken on New Oxford Street as a taxi with a flower on it and there's these sort of people walking towards me and I probably like that one most at the moment although to be absolutely honest they're all uh, pictures that I mean I like I like them all but um, I think very much my sort of mentality is like their history and I'm moving forward so my um, favorite picture is probably um, just around the corner with a bit of luck. Yeah, that's a very good way of uh, of putting it as well. I think, uh, you know, when I when I look at your work, I'm I'm forever drawn to the to the leaf, the simple smiling leaf on the on the pavement, um, and and that's been on the cover of uh, which that was a cover of one of your books, wasn't it? It's yeah, definitely the cover of Think Like a Street Photographer. Yes, yeah, that that has become um, one of the more well known pictures. Um, and it's uh, it's just a it's just a leaf on a pavement, but uh, there's it has obviously the sort of metaphorical things, uh, a smiling dead leaf. It's been yeah very popular, very very copied. You know, the amount of pictures that people send me of blinking leaves, yes. um, which is all good. Uh, I don't have uh, copyright on leaves. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's been um, been a useful picture and also uh, a picture that is actually sellable, so it can be sold very easily through agencies or you know uh, can be used. Uh, it's been used in, in an advert for a bank, um, and so I got paid. I don't know, reasonable amount of money for that picture to be used. And I always think it's funny because it's just a bloody leaf that's on the 
pavement. But um, did you pick up the uh, leaf and take it home? <laughs> no, I, I often I often wish I had. I I, I should have kept it and uh, sort of put it in a put it in a book or something and flattened it out. But uh, yeah. no, no, it's uh, it's uh, blown away now. I'd have thought. <laughs> So uh, on that on that kind of point, you're, you're, I mentioned it earlier that I think that your work is you know is honest. It's 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 true to life. There's no um, there's no overt editing or anything like that with it. Um, what is your what's your kind of go to if you're, you're if you're going out into Amsterdam this afternoon? What, what what's going to go in your camera bag? Oh, in my camera bag um, at the moment, it will be a, a medium format digital camera, which I'm using um, and I'm enjoying. And that's a Fuji GFX 100S. And I also have my Leica M10, um, which I'm very happy with. And um, sometimes I'll take a Sony A7R4. And anything else I can pick up. Um, my iPhone often, uh, I use my iPhone quite a lot just to remember uh, GPS. So I photograph something in order to remember how to get back to it. Um, and then I'll use Sunseeker at the same time just to work out where the light will be at the when I want it to be there. Um, and so I, I use the iPhone quite a lot just to sort of make notes. Um, and uh, I go back to places quite a lot uh, and stand there at the right time. Yeah. Good, good, good. The um, GFX 100S is is a wonderful camera, isn't it? A little it's bit, amazing. Yeah, it's uh, a bit chunky, but beautiful images. It's yeah, it's it's not even that chunky. It's definitely heavier, mm. um, but the yeah, the the lens is great. The quality of the uh, files is extraordinary. Um, it's very different to the street camera that I use a lot, i.e. Uh, the Leica, um, in that I sort of tend to stand back more with it. I, I'm not use. I don't use it to uh, get too close to people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask you whether you have any uh, go to in your mind, ready to go tips for uh, street photographers. What, what you know, just maybe two or three top tips from Matt to uh, to enhance okay. your street photography. Uh, Twenty thousand steps a day. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. Yep good shoes then <laughs> uh so yeah you need some good shoes but twenty thousand steps a day is something that i've been trying to do every day and it's more for mental health in a way just getting out and walking mental at, and then there's a you know dash health but just in order to uh keep fit um not be not get depressed um uh, you know photography is a sort of solitary generally a solitary activity and it can lead you to getting down in the dumps. And I think if it's a, a good day, get out and go walking reasonably far, stay healthy. Um, and in doing that, you stay awake. Um, uh, I would say, uh, you know, seize the day, appreciate the day. Don't go out there thinking it's going to be shit because if you go out there thinking it's going to be shit, it generally is. Yeah. Um, and shit generally uh, doesn't associate very well with, uh, uh, good photographs. <laughs> um, so mental attitude uh, is important. Um, and like I say, just the actual act of doing it, and it's a cliche, but it's, it is about the journey, not necessarily the destination, which is the print hang hanging on the wall. Um, be op totally open to failure um, because as Alex Webb famously said, 99.9% .9 of it is 
Um, I would um, embrace sketching, which is, I mentioned in my book, but sketching means that you're just picking it up along the way. It's not too important. Don't overthink it. Don't, don't overthink it. Just pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. And eventually uh, when you've done enough sketching, the Mona Lisa will turn up. And um, because if you're not uh, sketching, i.e. stretching, um, you will be cold on your feet um, when Mona Lisa turns up and you won't be ready. Also, don't have any shame. You know, don't worry about kneeling in the middle of the road, photographing a piece of chewing gum. You know, so what? <laughs> it's yeah. like, don't, don't worry about it too much. And uh, you're not going to offend anyone. And uh, people are probably just going to do that walk around. And uh, that's, that's all good. So, yeah, I would... Uh, I wouldn't be embarrassed. The, the more you're embarrassed or the more you're worried or the more you think you're doing something wrong, um, generally, the more likely you are to be um, have problems. Yeah, good advice, good advice. Okay, one final question, which I always ask people, is if you could shoot for one day with one other photographer, either dead or alive, and I'm gonna I'm gonna disclude Joel uh, Joel Merowitz because I know that you do you've done that regularly. Um, who would it be and and why? Oh um, well, I, I guess the easy answer would probably be Gary Winogrand. Although uh, with that um, wish, I mean maybe like Robert Frank in 19 you know 58 that would be fun. Um, Gary Winogrand in 1964 would be amazing because I don't think anyone uh, came back with as many good pictures in six months in mm. photography. I mean, he was on fire in 1964. And yeah, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Maybe it would have just been interesting to have gone and hung out with, you know, Vivian Mayer or he definitely Helen Levitt, you know, see, see how she operated. Um, yeah. Vivian Mayer, just to find out whether she'd be happy with the uh, the way her work has, has <laughs> been used. But no, I, I, I um, probably would say Gary Winogrand. Yeah, Gary Winogrand, good choice. Um, that's great. It's, it's good just hearing your your mind ticking over there with those names, and it's you know it's clear that you're a you're a student of, of photography as well, which I think is is really important to to us all, really, rather than just kind of going out with our cameras and assuming that we're we're going to get something. Um, so Matt, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you, buy your prints? And you mentioned workshops that are not going on at the moment, but presumably there's links and various things like that. Yeah, sure. So uh, my Instagram's Matt, M-A-T-T-U-1. Uh, my website's mattstuart.com. You can buy books and prints through that at the Plague Press website, which is my uh, publishing house. Um, at some point, I'll start doing workshops again, um, probably September, October, probably in Europe. Um, I envisage going back to America and uh, doing a book on California at some point. And so that's um, another box in my sort of head of things that I need to complete. And um, yeah, podcasts and things like that. Uh, my website's just recently been updated. So um, quite a lot of information there. And um, yeah, and that's that. And maybe just bump into you in Amsterdam or London and have a coffee. <laughs> now, thanks to Matt Stewart. We'll have more Matt shortly, not uh, in terms of an interview, but within the book of the month feature. So in that we're monthly at the moment, while we catch our breath from the last few years, with, of course, some specials in the planning too you might want to make sure you get your Mullins fix each week with his radio show, which is on IncapableStaircase.com. If you haven't listened yet, it's Thursdays at 5.30pm. Country Boyo 
aka our Mullins, will delve deep into classic and contemporary country, folk roots and acoustic music. Taking trips down memory lane on the way, it's Kev on the radio every Thursday. And uh, a reminder that on kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk, and we'll link to that on the website, uh, by or the show page rather, by going to the Photographers tab, you can see all the courses and workshops Kev has coming up, including new workshop dates for Blackpool and Western Supermare. And then after today's show, if you want uh, more on the podcast stage, Photography Daily has uh, a new short assignments show of a Monday. Today, your assignment is set by YouTuber Sean Tucker. Then on Friday, um, we go on the photo walk, as always, with a mailbag and inspiration from special guests, including this week, an interview with Magnum's Alec Soth. You know, we all talk about digital photography and how there are too many pictures in the world. And, and there was there have always been too many pictures in the world. It's uh, One shouldn't think of it that way. And I, I had this epiphany at some point that of an analogy that photographs are like flowers and no one complains that there are too many flowers in the world. That's Photography Daily wherever you get your podcasts or through the website photographydaily.show Now we teased you earlier with some news about an upcoming outside broadcast. The f- the last time we did one, Kev, was literally about a mu- was it about a month, maybe a month and a bit, but not much further before the before the world closed down. Well, for us that was the 23rd of March 2020, wasn't it? When we were told to stay indoors. But the month previous to that, we'd had a big do at the House of Photography. And at the time, we were sort of, there were these sort of, we were, we were gently talking about whether we'd all be closing down. Everybody was going, no, no, that won't happen. It'll be all right. And then obviously what happened in history happened. But we're back at the House of Photography. We are, indeed. 16th of June, 2022. Okay. We will be doing... You call it an outside broadcast. Maybe that... Is that a, a radio terminology for something that's not done in your studio? Because we will be inside. Yeah, no, outside doesn't mean... You don't have to be outside, Kev. It just means you're outside the studio. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, so we will be having an indoor-outside broadcast. Uh, <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the outside broadcast unit of the BBC is all about. At the House of Photography, on the 16th of June, uh, Future Film are kindly hosting us. Um, there may or may not be um, things you can play with in terms of Future Film stuff, um, but we will be there, and we would like uh, some of you to be there. In fact, we would like 50 of you to be there, because yeah. that's all we can have. And we will do a live podcast recording, which you can be a part of. We yeah. will, or in almost all likelihood, do some... So the record... We're going to have the house of photography the upstairs gallery area to ourselves from i think about 4 p.m till about 7 p.m yep so we will we'll do some nibbles and drinks and uh chit chat and the podcast recording and we will more than likely organize some kind of social photo walk in the morning as well of the 16th and thereafter we will then also um try and organize somewhere for us to go and have uh, a few beers and drinks and wines and La- last and time kind of last stuff. time we ended up in a big big boozer didn't we kev yeah we ended up in O'Neill's we rented yeah. uh, the upstairs in O'Neill's which maybe we'll do again depends on numbers so th- put that in your diary 16th of June 2022 House of Photography the good folks are Andreas especially at Fujifilm yes. uh, uh, helping yes. us out there yes. and uh, we will be doing something on that day uh, it has to be ticketed the, the tickets will be zero priced obviously but it has to be ticketed because we need to keep an eye on the numbers 
Those tickets will be available to patrons first uh, next week. So uh, look out for your patron inbox and uh, and then we will announce it uh, thereafter on the website and the podcast and Facebook and all those kind of other places. Um, so yes, there you go. 16th of June, 2022. Um, come along. It'll be fun. It will be fun. I, I have just written down and... Just, uh, just want to go across these words again. There may or may not be some things that you can play with. Yes. Ah, there D- will be lots of things you can play with. There may or may not be things that you may not have played with before. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going for, Kev. Mm-hmm. So, all yeah. right. So there we go. There, there is your invite. Sixteenth of June, the House of Photography, back out into the out into the wilds again, Kev. It'd be nice um, if we do do a photo walk thing in the morning, uh, then we'll be recording that for the show as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, all good. It'll be, a, it'll be, yeah. The ticketed thing will only be for the uh, the, the few hours at House of Photography, yeah. but everything else will be open to everybody. Good. Um, questions. Here's one from Nariman Masavi. Um, Hi, guys. Thank you for answering my question regarding the microphone recommendations recently. Here are a few more questions. Uh, number one, I currently have the 16 1.4 and the 50 to 140. Could you recommend a third lens that I should have? There's four questions here, so we'll take one at a time. The 50 to 140 is great, but sometimes too large to carry around. Um, should I wait for the rumored 56 1.2 Mark II, or would you would you recommend the 33 1.4 or something else altogether? Well, they're very different focal lengths here, aren't they? Being mm. in Vancouver, we get 300 days of rain, so so uh, weather resistance is important to me. Well, the one, one uh, well, 50 to 140, the 56 falls within that range. The 33 clearly doesn't. So I I think if you were if you were apples for apples, then that wouldn't probably feature in my recommendations. The fifty to one forty is is large, but it's it's such a good lens, isn't it, Kev? I've yeah. u- I've used it so often for for filming, actually, um, particularly for talking heads interviews. Yeah, but if you've got the sixteen and you've got fifty to one forty, then you're looking for something in the middle, really. Uh, fifty six one point two, the current version. I have no idea about a future version, but um, the current version is that. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot smaller than your fifty to 140 mm. but it's likewise a lot bigger than the uh you know the the the, the 35 f2 for example mm. and somewhat bigger than the 33 f 1.4 so yeah i mean it all depends on whether you're lacking a focal length or whether you're it's about weight and but i'm reading this kind of i'm stuff. reading this question that he'd like to get rid of the 50 to 140 in some respects that's why he's thinking about the 56 the root the rumored 56 one two well then what i would probably do is uh if you don't need the long end of the 140 if you're not if you're not shooting at that end i'd probably get uh the 35 f2 and the 50 f2 because mm. they're both relatively cheap lenses um and they're weather sealed and they're faster focused and all that kind of stuff and that way you've got the the the, the holy trinity of three lenses yes. um but if you need that 140 length then you, you you're gonna have to keep it okay well, <laughs> yeah you're stuck with it uh two my settings are usually aperture priority at one four with the shutter speed locked to one two fifth on the body but when i do this the exposure lock function no longer works when I set the auto ISO and a minimum shutter of one two fifth in camera, the EL works fine, but in low light situations, the camera overrides the minimum shutter. Not sure if you have found a way around this. So the minimum shutter speed in your auto ISO is only the recommended one that it's going to try and work to. If it can't, if it can't do that, it will never exceed the ISO um, ceiling and 
um, floor. But shutter speed, it may well end up going slower than that if it simply can't get the exposure. Mm. And it will it will notify you of that by changing the shutter um, speed indicator in the LCD. You'll yeah. see that in red rather than in blue, or you'll see it in a different color depending on how you have your LCD set up. So it sometimes can go a little bit slower, in which case you can just whack it into um, shutter speed and, and decide and override it if you so wish. Exposure lock, well, should still be working. Um, remember, if you're shooting fully manually, then you know you are uh, you're, you are. It won't make any difference because you are the you're taking full control of the exposure. Mm-hmm. So if you're in one or more of the auto modes, then you you will be able to lock the exposure using the button. But fully manually, there's nothing to lock because you've set it. Okay. Third question out of the four. A lot of the time, I tend to share photos with friends and family on the spot and I used the quick transfer feature with a Fuji Cam Remote app. Uh, this used to work fine till I got the X-T4, and I've decided, or dedicated rather, slot one for RAW, slot two for the JPEGs. For some reason, the images shot this way have a note on them saying unable to transfer, similar to video files. Is there a workaround here? I should note I've some JPEG settings turned on, grain, etc. Not sure. I don't think that matters at all, does it, with, with your JPEG settings? It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't but the, ca- the camera remote app can only transfer JPEGs. So it may well yeah, be that yeah. you you want to swap your uh, card, whichever card is is recording the JPEGs and RAWs. Yeah. I think you can that, that one caught me out for ages, uh, not realising yeah. that RAW couldn't go across. Yeah. yeah, I think that's still the case. Yeah, I, it I, is. Might not, I don't really I'm use the sure app, is, but yeah. I think that's the case. So I noted today that also the so the firmware updates to the cameras uh, should give you a little bit better connectivity with the app yeah. uh, for those that have been struggling. But yeah, it'll be it, it can only send across the JPEGs. No. And finally, a more emotional question. Um, this past week with the situation in Ukraine. Now, he sent this in at the start of March. So a few weeks have gone past, of course. So bear that in mind as we read this. Uh, I've not picked up my camera at all. I used to take my camera with me everywhere, but I find that my motivation to document what I see in front of me is at an all-time low. I'm curious if you guys also experience a lack in motivation when there's a global crisis or just dealing with emotionally difficult situations in your life. Well, I mean, I I refer back to um, when I stopped using Instagram because I just thought during a time when you you were watching... Uh, the news and the uh, and the, the the horrible sort of the count of of deaths etc. I thought, who wants to look at fluffy pictures of weddings when there's this uh, pandemic going on? And you were looking at the horrible pictures coming out of China and Italy in, in particular at that time, which then of course became more expanded. And uh, and so I know I know exactly how you mean. I I thought I just I don't fancy doing light and fluffy at the moment. And it was a it was a real it became a brick wall for me that lasted well in and out of. And I appreciate at the same time that not everybody is out of COVID in quite the same manner as the UK. We're not out of it either. It's just that we're tackling it in a different way. But I, I, that was a, that was an emotional thing that I felt, Kev. Yeah, I think anything that has an impact on your life, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, a bad foot, whatever, any, anything that's impacting your life can affect your yeah. motivation and physical ability to do something. And I think we were all... Yeah, I mean, I, I remember during the lockdown, uh, I was in awe of the people who could who managed to, you know, take the amazing pictures at home and and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just didn't. I took a few, but I didn't. 
just never i just didn't have the uh, inclination to to do it you know I was too busy worrying about business and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean things have impacts for sure and you know you have to deal with it in your own merry way well i think for for people that have shot in particular parts of the world where what's going on in ukraine has happened i i know through speaking to them personally that they find it it often very hard to get back to doing if you want to use the word normal normal kind of social and documentary stuff when they come back to the uk for example i think that's difficult for some people and i appreciate why it's difficult so uh, yeah interesting one uh, the emotional changes that happen when you when you make when you make pictures thank you nariman um right book of the month kev we are returning to matt stewart we are indeed uh, think like a street photographer matt stewart um which is a book i've had for a while and i thought it was apposite to use it uh, on today's book of the month yep. feature so um from the blurb on the back it says street photography may often look like luck but there are a number of ways to stack the odds in your favor to help you come back with a keeper from understanding how to be invisible on a busy street to discovering opportunities in the chaos of a crowd matt stewart reveals the hard-won skills and secrets that have led to his best photographs uh, it's a one it's a little book so uh, and i think it's purposely designed that way so you can stick it in your camera bag when you go out on the streets the foreword is by Darren brown the magician oh no, really yeah, I think yes. it's brilliant. There's a there's a lovely uh, it's, well, it's, it's it's a great actually um, forward. But uh, like he says, yeah, a magician cajoles us into recalling the story of the trick in an edited way. Yeah. We delete certain parts of what happened, join up the wrong dots, and remember the trick as the magician wished. Likewise, a photographic moment of time lifted from the free flow of reality and presented within a frame is an exercise in preferential editing that tickles our urge to create a story from limited data. Mm. Have you ever had your urge tickled? Not of late. <laughs> I think I'm too old for it. I, uh, I, it's, it really is a great book. If you are a aspiring street photographer or perhaps even a, uh, you know, a long in the tooth one, uh, it's, it's broken down into 128, I think it's 128 um, bite-sized chunks. Um, and you can just pull this out of your bag and give yourself some ideas. And for example... Uh, section 99 is engage and reward hook the viewer and keep them hooked so if i go to section 99 which is chapter 16 there will be a uh, piece of text telling us all about that that idea and uh, also some of matt's brilliant images to explore that further so in this case we have uh, the first image is this uh, lovely close-up image of a, a young lad crying in his yellow pacamac and then a yellow streak of paint on the street and another kid on a on a, or a toy horse in the background you know there's there's a couple of pages of, of uh, instructional text and then there's these pullouts which are really cool as well try this so in this particular case it says try rejecting the main action by putting it to the side of the frame photographers are hardwired to shoot the main action at center yeah. see if you can let that go yes. now if yeah. you listen to the interview with matt you'll know that we discussed that the latest image on his instagram post yeah. at the time of recording um where he explained that very well about the the, the most obvious thing in the frame is not what he was concentrating i on. think you do that kev quite well as well actually uh i try it's something i do kind of try yeah. and do no, but uh do. yeah matt is, yeah. is is kind of a very good state. um but yeah no it's it's brilliant you know so chapter 11 strange but true you wouldn't believe it sometimes events can unfold before before your eyes that you just couldn't make up. If you're alert and respond quickly, you'll make the shot. 
Don't hang around. Take lots of exposures and check later whether you got it or not. Just take that shot. Uh, and that is that he's using that image of the uh, the red pillar box, the red car and the boy in red to illustrate that. Yeah. Be a fortune teller. See the future before it happens. Yeah, there we go. Uh, if you're switched on an alert, you can anticipate events before they happen. With practice, you can learn to spot stories just as they appear and begin to predict how they might unfold. Now, that's something we do as wedding photographers a lot. But yeah, uh, try this. As the American, as the American photographer Walker Evans famously said, "Stare, pry, listen, eavesdrop. Die knowing something. You're not here for long." Uh, yeah, wonderful. Really, really cool book. You can get it from all uh, all major retailers, of course, and we will have a link to it on the show notes for this episode. Matt Stewart, Think Like a Street Photographer. And uh, of course, Matt's got lots of actually good photo books as well, but this is a, an instructional book, yeah. if you like. Very good. Very good. Is it is it a technical instruction book as well? No, 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 no. not at all. There's very little talk about gear and technology and apertures no. and all that kind of stuff. It's all about observation, yeah. which, as you know, with me, I like to tell people it's we're observers, not photographers. Okay. Yes. Very good. One last chance for a question, Kev. Do you want do you want to go for it or shall I go for it? Okay, I'll do it. Uh, I don't mind. Well, no, you do it. Why not? You do it. Go on. Well, I've got one here actually that does. You were talking about editing, obviously. There, so I've got one that plays back to the editing. Um, so it could almost be planned. Uh, Will Colin. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Wonder what your views are on the rights and wrongs of editing. Specifically, do you aim for your edits to look natural with no obvious signs that the photo has had work done? Or do you think it's okay to, in inverted commas, amp it up in order to create a striking or interesting image, even if the viewer would know that it can't have looked like this in real life? I ask the question because I think I'm in the former camp, although I suspect I do stray into the latter. Occasionally I come across other people's photos where there's a glaring halo along high contrast edges, such as buildings against a, a bright sky. They're obviously maxed out in the clarity or structure, and in my humble opinion, if it's that obvious, then it's too much. But I'm certainly guilty of other trickery, like cloning out inconvenient details or desaturating the colour. I've found that once I'm done editing a shot, I leave it for 10 minutes and I come back. And I often find it looks overdone. I have to dial down the changes I've made. How do you know when you've done enough but not too much? Thanks, Will Collin. That's a very well-worded question, actually, because I, and I think the idea of going back after 10 minutes is a super idea. Perhaps not so practical when you're doing hundreds of images from a wedding. I don't know, Kev, but... Um, um, or maybe you could. You could sort of put the edit down and go back the next day and, and see if it, it looks overdone. But I think I'm certainly... Um, I'm certainly guilty of that on occasions because I, I like because I really like dark, moody, dramatic black and whites. Um, there's no way some of those those um, scenes could possibly look look like it naturally, regardless of the monochromatic sort of um, feeling about them. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Black and white is not natural no, in its own no, right, no, is no, it? No, you know, no. it's, 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 but I mean, it's the, not... I mean the contrasty and the sort of you know. Yeah, really, I really work the light. I, I think ultimately, you know, if you're editing images to change the appearance of what was there, then it's up. It's entirely up to you, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, editorial photographers uh, will will do this a lot to um, to you know they will take things out of frames and stuff like that, yeah. and that's part of their their remit. That's what they're being paid to do, and they're, and they're, they're right to do that kind of stuff. I think if you're doing anything where it's documentary storytelling, that kind of stuff, personally for me, I wouldn't remove anything from the frame but yes i will uh, you know obviously use presets and various things like that but i would say going back to that that point about uh, halos around buildings and stuff then that's probably just bad editing 
Uh, I don't know whether there's a, a another conversation to be had over whether it should be edited in the first place. Uh, it depends, you know, if it's a press association submission, for example, then they, you can't, you're just not allowed to. But if it's not for that, then yeah, you're all, you know, you can all bets are off, aren't they? But you, then it's a case of whether it's edited well or not. Uh, if you can see it, obviously, then it's not particularly being well edited. Colour's one of those things that can be awkward, though, isn't it? I had a client who felt that the colours weren't weren't so natural. And there was a particular period when I was editing, I think, images in a certain way. You know, everybody else had said, absolutely fantastic. But this one client had said, no, 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 that's not the colour of my... And so so colours can be... And, and you, actually, when you edit, you, you use classic chrome, don't you? So colours are slightly different. Yeah, I don't use classic chrome so much now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I edit... Yes, my, my presets definitely change the look of images, but more towards a filmic look, and it does affect the colour, yeah. for sure. Um, Has anybody ever said anything? No. No. But, you know, like I said, it's the same as the conversation about the Leica look, isn't it? Every camera takes a different picture. Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you, Will, for that. Um, Questions-wise, for, for the next show, then, uh, we need to start filling up uh, Kev's Facebook um, stuff there so um, so there, there is a Facebook post right at the top of the uh, the Facebook group page isn't there Kev there is indeed I have some legacy questions left from a few months back that I will get round to as well but yes keep them coming mm. uh, thank you to Matt Stewart for being our guest this week and also the book of the week which we will uh, book of the month I'll have to get used to that book of the month which we will link to on the website page uh, but one of the real, well, the important thing um, is to uh, to remind you the sixth, the sixteenth of uh, June, we will be at the House of Photography. If you want, I know you've been across this once before, Kev. But just to remind us, if you want to be there, what what will you have to do? So uh, the House of Photography, by the way, for those who are thinking, where the hell's that? Is on Longacre in London. It's oh, Fujifilm's yeah. big, beautiful um, store. Yeah. Uh, yes. So tickets will be available imminently. Uh, we will send them give options to the patron members first it will be free uh, zero priced um and then we will announce uh, various other places facebook on the podcast and on the website so if you don't do the facebook thing which i totally understand then uh, keep an eye on the the website and uh, obviously listen to the next podcast and you can send your questions in uh, of course by email to to click at fujicast.co.uk i generally read out the email ones and Kev's Kev's into Facebook these days uh, with the the questions. I don't know, Kev, you might be back in the studio next month. You might not be. Oh, it all depends what's happening with the price of petrol. I'll come on my horse. Well, you could. Yeah, you could could come on Star, couldn't you? Star, where where have you been? Um, So, um, yeah, Kev's off now siphoning petrol for the afternoon. And, uh, and uh, we we will see you next month. Bye bye. The FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives, who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.